The following broadcast is brought to you by Sons of God International and Freedom Fellowship Church. Hello, and welcome to the prophetic voice of our time, where we focus on the voice of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Our host, Christina Sasso, is a senior pastor at Freedom Fellowship Church. Let's hear what she has to say to the body of Christ. Hello, thank you for tuning in. This is Joshua Sasso with Freedom Fellowship Church and Sons of God Ministries International, and you are listening to the prophetic voice of our time. I'm so excited to be here talking to all of you. If you're hearing the sound of my voice now, me and Pastor Chris are now freshly back from the Philippine mission, and God is doing wonderful and extraordinary things in the Philippines. He is truly raising up a new generation that loves him, that hears his voice, and that are going to transform that nation inside and out. And the Philippines has a great destiny ahead of it to transform Asia and the world. And the amazing thing is that those seeds that we have been sowing in other nations, we are going to reap here in America as well. So as the Lord is raising up a new generation that obeys his voice and will operate in the miraculous, so to hear... In the United States of America, God is raising up a new generation that hears his voice and is operating in the miraculous. I want to remind you that something the Lord told us during the prophetic gathering of the saints this past New Year's Eve, the Lord said that this year, 2023, was going to be an explosive year that there was going to be all kinds of explosions, good explosions, bad explosions, but they're going to burst forth in the spiritual realm and in the physical realm. One of these explosions is that Asbury revival that that started happening in Asbury University, okay? And other schools have started to pick it up, okay? This is one of the explosions. Now, there's also bad explosions that are maybe happening in the political arena, maybe happening amongst the media. But I want to remind you that we are to focus on the Word of God and the promises of God. Focus on Him because the wicked, they're going to do their thing. The important thing is that the body of Christ are the ones who are maturing and who are obeying God. Jesus said in the last days it would be like a farmer who sowed seed in a field. And then during the night an enemy came and he mixed in a bunch of weeds and tares amongst the wheat. One of the servants of this farmer said, hey, let's go up and pick up all of these tares that the enemy has sowed in the field. But the master said, no, do not do this, lest you will pick up some of the wheat along with the tares. And this is something we have to understand. Sometimes the Lord will delay judgment because he does not want his people to be swept up alongside it, right? So there needs to be a natural separation between the righteous and the wicked. So the farmer responds and he says, Instead, wait for both the wheat and the tares to reach their full maturity. When that happens, then gather all the tares, bind them up, and then throw them into the fire. And then gather the wheat. See, so both the righteous and the wicked are going to reach their full maturity, right? So what you, as a child of God, need to focus on doing then 
is to stepping into God's perfect will in your life. You need to reach full maturity. You need to start operating in faith, in anointing, in power, because that's when God is going to be able to move miraculously. That's when God is going to be able to do supernatural things in this nation. So the body of Christ, we need to focus on maturing. We need to focus on obeying God. So whatever it is that God has been instructing you to do, and maybe he's been saying it for years and years and years, you need to do this, you need to do this, it's time for us to make that our first priority. Because God's going to work, but we need to choose, you know, whether we're going to be a part of it, right? Or whether we're going to face delays, or maybe we will see the Lord use other people rather than you. The truth is, is that if you're listening to this message, that means that God has seen potential in you to be a great leader in his church. And if you can believe it and receive it, and you're willing to forsake everything to obey God, then you will surely step into that destiny, right? But you have to be willing. It doesn't matter, Lord, what I have to do, right? I'm willing to forsake everything to come and follow you. We have to have that willingness, okay? And part of our job as leaders in the church is we need to be able to equip his people so that they can go out and do the same, okay? And this is something that I want to remind all of you is that if you're called to leadership, it is your job then prepare God's people to be able to operate with the same kind of anointing, the same kind of power, the same kind of faith, so that they can go out and they can also heal the sick, cast out demons. They can also operate in the miraculous. And maybe many of them will do even greater works than you. Right? We have to count ourselves that we're not concerned about our own reputation. Right? God is the one who will honor people. God is the one who will raise people up. Okay? So, if you are encountering spiritual leaders, right, and they do things to limit the body of Christ so that, oh, they'll never surpass their anointing. Oh, they'll never go beyond their anointing, right? And they structure their ministry in such a way to where everything has to be under their influence. Everything has to be under their umbrella associated with their ministry so that they can get the credit. They can have the power. They can have the authority. You are not working with somebody who discipled as Jesus discipled. You see, when Jesus began discipling people, he was equipping them and training them so that one day they could do the works that he was doing after he leaves. Because Jesus knew, I'm not going to be here forever, right? I need to train these people so that they can do the works that I do, and even greater. And that's something that's key. Jesus said this himself. In John chapter 14, verse 12, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. This is the example that Jesus gave us for discipleship. And this is Jesus we're talking about, right? He walked on water. He raised people from the dead. He healed the sick. He cast out demons. And now he's saying, look, 
you're going to do these same works and even greater, right? Jesus wasn't trying to limit his disciples. He wasn't trying to control them that, oh, no, no, you'll never surpass me and my ministry, right? No. Jesus empowered his disciples. He showed them this is how you live a life of faith. This is how you obey God, right? You know, I mean, he even showed them how to pray properly, right? He said, when you pray, this is how you pray, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, right? He was giving them a standard that they could run with. So Jesus continues in John 14, right? So he says, they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. And the amazing thing is that the apostles, they went out into all the world. You know, let's go on a quick segue here, right? Let's go on this quick side trail. Because something I want to address is that a lot of ministries, unfortunately, a lot of pastors and leaders... They operate their ministries as, as a family business, right? One person, right? They're the preacher. They're in charge. Then they groom their son, right, to take over. And then that person grooms their son to take over, right? And the truth is, is that perhaps God will appoint the son or the daughter as the successor. But the truth is, is that God is the one who does the appointing and the anointing right? And something that we should not be concerned about in our ministries, in our leadership positions, is that, oh, and now I'm going to groom my successor, and they're going to take over my ministry, and I'm going to give everything over to them. Because something that happened with Jesus' ministry is that after Jesus ascended into heaven, right, he didn't appoint a successor. He didn't say, oh, now this person, I give my entire ministry over to them, and now they're the one in charge, everybody submit to them, Everybody fall underneath their ministry and do what they say. No, he didn't do that. What happened after Jesus went up to heaven is that the people he had been discipling, basically his ministry exploded into a bunch of different ministries, right? You had the ministry of Peter, ministry of James. And then if you research the disciples who went out in the early church, they went all over the world. Some of them went all the way down to India. Many of them went down to Turkey, and there, some of them went to other parts of Asia. Jesus' ministry exploded into many ministries, okay? And the reason why is because Jesus equipped his disciples in such a way to where they could go out, and now they could operate at the same level that he could operate, and even greater. In Acts chapter 19... Verse 11, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even the handkerchiefs and aprons that touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and evil spirits left them. Could you imagine that? Paul, maybe he just wiped his mouth, right, with a handkerchief, right? And then people took that to the sick and spread it around and everyone who touched it was healed. Jesus never performed a miracle like that. And the amazing thing is that Paul was not one of Jesus' original disciples. The funny thing is that, you know, the early church, they were kind of hesitant about Paul because Paul, right, had his mind set on murdering Christians until he encountered God on the road to Damascus, okay? 
Because God looked at his heart and he knew that Paul, even though everything he was doing was wrong, right? God knew that in his heart he thought he was serving God, right? And that is the reason why when Jesus appeared to Paul and he said, Paul, at the time his name was Saul, and he said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, well, who are you? Right? He didn't even know who the Lord was. And he said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. And after that, Saul turned around and he was named Paul. Now, something that happened is that, right? Paul didn't know the ways of the Lord. He didn't know anything about Jesus and about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all of these things, right? So the Lord had to send a man named Ananias to Paul. And this is what happens. It says um, in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, it says, There was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, get up and go to the street called Straight. The Lord said to him, To the house of Judas, and ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul, since he is praying there. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and placing his hands on him so that he can regain his sight. Because we know that when Jesus appeared before Saul, Saul was blinded. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard from many people about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has authority here from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for this man is my chosen instrument to take my name to Gentiles, kings, and Israelites. I will show you how much he will suffer for my name. So Ananias went. And I want us just to stop here for a minute and admire the faith of this man Ananias. Because I want you to imagine, okay, that you hear about somebody. Maybe word has gotten around on social media that, oh, maybe they're passing laws to persecute Christians. They're passing legislation or they have orders from the president, right, to arrest any Christian, to kill any Christian, right? You need to put ourselves in the perspective of Ananias. For all Ananias knows, everything he has heard about this man Saul is that he is determined to do anything he can to bring harm to the church. And now God is saying, no, go lay hands on him, bring healing to him, fill him with the Holy Spirit, right? So Ananias, despite maybe any fear he had, he obeyed the Lord. So we have to admire his faith in this instance, because you really have to put yourself in his mindset, what he might have been thinking at the time. So Ananias left and entered the house. Then he placed his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road you are traveling, has sent me so that you can regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. At once, something like scales fell from his eyes. He regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Okay, so the Lord needed to bring Ananias to Paul so that he could be filled with the Holy Spirit. So Paul was not yet properly equipped, right, to be in the ministry for God. He was not yet properly equipped because he did not have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. So God provided a man named Ananias to go in there and equip Paul with what he needed to go out into the ministry. Now, I want you to imagine, now, what if Ananias decided, hey, now you're going to come under my ministry, under my mantle, 
and everything you do is now going to be under me, right? What if Ananias decided that now he was going to use Paul to build up his own reputation? Perhaps we would have never seen Paul's ministry manifest in the way that it did. The truth is, is this competition, jealousy, envy, this idea that we're making a name for ourselves, it has no place in the church. We are all in service of God the Most High. We're all on the same team, guys. And this is something, maybe you've even experienced this kind of mindset in the church, where people are playing political games, right? People are trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to make sure that people are under their authority, right? And the truth is, sometimes the Lord will send you to somebody so that you can be under them for a time, so that they can equip you, so that they can prepare you. And sometimes, maybe, the Lord has determined that your job is to work with that ministry, right? But there are other times where the Lord will send you to a place so that you can be equipped and so that now you can go out. So, just as we are joyful and happy when people enter our ministries, we should be able to send people out and bless them and be happy for them when the time comes for the Lord to send them elsewhere. Okay? These territory games should not exist in the church. Okay? And if you've ever experienced that, you know, maybe you've experienced heartache and hardships because of this kind of mentality in the church, then I want you to remember that and decide to yourself that you will never implement such policies when you are discipling other people. Okay? We are all serving the same God. We're all working for the same gold. I want to see God's will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, right? That's what I'm working for, okay? Who cares if somebody's more anointed than me, right? Who cares if somebody that I train goes on and does even greater than me? Man, I would be so happy to see that. You know, I would love to see everybody operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, healing the sick, casting out demons, proclaiming the goodness of God. I'd love to see anybody under my discipleship do that. And we should have that same mindset. Count yourself of no reputation. Because Ananias didn't do this for Saul. And because of that, Paul, he got what he needed. He got what he was missing, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then he was able to go out into all the world preaching the gospel. And even the handkerchiefs he touched healed people, right? Another example of this is in Acts chapter 18. It says in verse 24, Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and he spoke with great fervor and talked about Jesus accurately, though he only knew the baptism of John. So here's what we know about this man Apollos, right? He's a smart dude. He's charismatic. He's well-spoken. But he's still missing some of the things he needs to move in power, right? So in verse 26, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Achilla heard him. Now we know that Priscilla and Achilla, they worked alongside Paul, okay? They were also apostles. And these two people, if you read the epistles, they're mentioned in Corinthians, they're mentioned in Ephesus, and they're mentioned in Romans. This means that Priscilla and Achilla, they were working 
with ministries in these different regions, okay? So they were also apostles, and they were working alongside Paul. So when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him into their home and explained to him the ways of God more adequately, right? They're saying, look, you only know the baptism of John. You're still missing some pieces. This is what you need to know about the Holy Spirit so that you can really move in power, right? They were equipping him so that he can do even greater works. And this is the kind of mindset we have to take on, right? If you're called to leadership, and some of you guys are still being equipped so that you can go out, but when the time comes for you to disciple others, for you to be a leader for others, you need to take on this mindset that I am preparing them so that they can do the same works that I'm doing and even greater. Okay, and this mindset carries to business as well. You train people so that they can do the same job as you and they can do even a better job than you, okay? In everything that we do, we apply the principles of the kingdom. Now, something that happened is that Apollos, right now that he'd been equipped, he starts going out and preaching vigorously, but a time comes for him to go to another place, okay? So in Acts chapter 18, verse 27, it says, When Apollos wanted to go to Achaia, the brothers and sisters in that region encouraged him, and they wrote to the disciples there in Achaia to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, okay? So the people in Ephesus, right? So Apollos, he gets the infilling of the Holy Spirit. He learns about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he's helping out the church in Ephesus. And when Apollos said, hey, you know, I believe the Holy Spirit is leading me to go down to the city in Achaia and begin ministering there. The people in Ephesus, right? They, oh, you can only leave by my blessing, right? No, you're going to remain under my ministry. No, they didn't have this mindset. They were overjoyed and they wrote to the disciples in Achaia. And they said, look, this man Apollos is coming. He's smart. He's charismatic. The Holy Spirit is using him and he's going to be a great help to you, right? They even made it easier for him. Oh, the Holy Spirit is leading you to go to this other city? Here, I'll write a letter so that the people know about you so that it'll be easier for you to begin working with them, right? Here's some of the connections I have in that area. It'd be so good for you to go there for the Holy Spirit to use you. You see the difference in this mindset. It's no longer this game of competition, right? When somebody is operating under the leading of the Holy Spirit, rather, they're making it as easy as possible for them to obey God, right? So rather than becoming a stumbling block in their obedience, instead, they're becoming an asset to help build him up and strengthen him, okay? So it says, the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. When he arrived, he was a great help to those who by grace had believed, for he vigorously refuted his Jewish opponents in public debate, proving from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Okay, this is the kind of teamwork that needs to happen in the body of Christ. Okay, we don't need to concern ourselves with any kind of territory disputes. Oh, they're stealing the, they're stealing the sheep. Oh, you know, we need to make sure that the name of my ministry is upon it. Make sure that my name's attached to it so I can build up my reputation. Okay, Jesus and God the Father are the one who appoint and anoint. Okay. God's going to place people under your care for a time. Some of them will be sent out. Some of them are going to continue to help you. 
but you need to continue to equip them so that they can do the same works that you're doing and even greater because that's the example that Jesus Christ set for us. And I know that I've determined for myself that I will never be a stumbling block for somebody else's obedience to the Lord. I am never going to be an obstacle for somebody that's looking to obey God. And I encourage all of you, do the same. Because if you're hearing the sound of my voice, God is preparing you for leadership. And some of you, you're already in a leadership position. Okay? So remember the example that Jesus showed us. We're all on the same team, guys. We're all looking to serve God so that his will will manifest here on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what I have to share for you this week. I encourage you begin applying it today. And so I'm out of time for this week. Again, my name is Joshua Sasso, and you've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. Until next time, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. You've been listening to the prophetic voice of our time. We really hope you were blessed by today's episode. And if you were, we want to hear from you. You can call us at 210-695-1630. Or you can email us at sogmi at outlook.com. That's S-O-G-M-I at outlook.com. And we really encourage you to visit our website, sogmi.org. That is S-O-G-M-I dot That's where you can listen to previous episodes of this podcast and even support this podcast. We're supported by listeners just like you. So if you want to support this ministry, you can go to SOGMI.org and hit the donate button. You can also send a check to P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023. Again, that is P.O. Box 1579, Lotus, Texas 78023.